What's going on, everybody? Your boy, Robbie Bobby here. Episode 12, Cup of Mets. We're back. My laptop's back. No technical difficulties here today. Yes, Ian, sir. How we doing? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. And the fact that David Peterson just got out of a bases loaded, one out, first inning jam uh, makes it makes it 10 times better. And Rob, that's the uh, second consecutive week that you opened up. Sounds great. We love it. Um, before we get going and dive into the shitstorm that is the New York Mets, uh, remember to give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're at Cup of Mets. Again, we're at Cup of Mets on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And also, be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So, Rob, obviously the Mets are uh, going through a stretch right now. They were going through a stretch when we last spoke. They've been going through a stretch all June. They are 6-16 six and 16 this month. They are now 16 and a half games behind the Atlanta Braves in first place. They're eight and a half games out of a wild card spot. We're just going to jump right into this because... Um, you know, everybody's going to be listening to this and, um, you know, the day after the game and, and and we're talking about it. But Steve Cohen, Steve Cohen tweeted out five hours ago, end quote, I will be doing a press conference tomorrow before the game. You will get it from me straight. Rob, your initial thoughts when you thought when you saw that tweet. Um, my initial thoughts was somebody was going down and that somebody was <laughs> Billy Epler. Um, you know, again, he just said it straight, like you said, and, and I'm really curious still as, you know, still as to what he has to say, even though Billy Upler spoke today to the media and it seemed like everything was all happy, go lucky and supportive. But, you know, my first initial thoughts were, were that Ian, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, it was funny when I first saw the tweet, um, my initial thought was, you know, we didn't see Billy Epler before the game yesterday. And then we see the tweet come out today, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, wait, is Billy Epler going to actually speak um, before the game today? And he did speak. Um, and that was the interesting part because when I first saw that, I immediately thought that Billy Epler was the uh, casualty. And I still think that he should be the casualty. With that said, I'm not really sure um, what's going to come from that. I know a lot of people are hoping that they get like a George Steinbrenner type um reaction from him tomorrow um i know that he's not very reaction he's not very oriented uh in in that regard and you know flipping chairs and and making mass <laughs> movements but but what do you but what are you looking for what do you what do you want to hear him say cuz obviously he can only do so much he's not on the field but i don't know i i want to i want to hear him acknowledge that the team not only is not playing well but they have flaws they have flaws and I mean, Billy Epler said it today. He constructed the roster, so he holds some responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? Like, Steve Cohen's a fan, too. Are we the fans that are just seeing what he's not seeing? Like, what is it? Well, again, you know, he's a very he's a very competitive person. He's a bit, you know, a businessman. So, again, obviously, he doesn't like spending money and it going not not so much it going to waste. But, again, you know, putting a product out there that isn't being successful right now. And that's what the Mets are in 2023 so far. What I did notice about what Billy Epler said is that, you know, his biggest surprise, quote unquote, was the pitching and that they're working diligently, diligently with Jeremy Hefner and staff and analyticals to an analytic department to see where we can uh, put our pitchers in a position to succeed, whether it's throwing different pitches at different counts or, or putting guys in different spots or innings. And 
you know, I, again, I'm not sure exactly what I'm looking for, to be honest with Steve, with what Steve Cohen's going to say. But in reality, uh, when I first read that tweet, I, I really thought someone was going down. But then, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not really sure what to think, what to, what I want to hear. I mean, what I want to hear is it's going to get better, which obviously we all want to hear that and we all want to see it. But again, I think it's just on everybody in terms of the organization from, from the first man in the front office to the last man in the dugout. I mean, everyone's underperforming. No, 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 no. I, I, I absolutely agree. Even the, even the concession people, they're a little tardy with the hot dogs. They're a little, you know, <laughs> the, the pretzels have tasted like shit recently. You oh know, my like gosh. I, no, 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 no. That's not good. That's not no, good. No, it's not good. They're not getting their dollars. They're not getting their dollars. We were going to go to the game tonight. We opted not to. We'll get into why we decided not to oppose uh, you know, obviously Peterson's facing Julio Tehran, who looks like old Julio Tehran. So that was one reason why. But we also went to Philly um, on Sunday when the Mets blew their uh, their four run lead or their three run lead. Excuse me. So um, we'll touch upon that in our experiences there because those Phillies uh, crash. Um, but with all that being said, I know I've asked you this question before, but I want to ask you again because it seems like it's kind of changing weekly where you know kind of like the question that they asked billy epler do you take responsibility where do you see the responsibility right now who who is it on obviously the players have to perform and some of them aren't playing up to their standards right and and they're definitely to blame but who's to blame right now what are you saying i mean i think my answer just stays the same on this one it's going to be billy epler who takes the blame i mean again as much as you want to question buck and his moves as of late um you don't know what's going on behind closed doors you don't know if billy's telling buck to manage like this and what do you think and, about that what do you think about that though that's my question is that buck uh, showalter is making is making very strange in-game maneuvers we saw it firsthand in philly right and we also know that and we have a feeling, a gut feeling that Billy Epler and the analytic department is kind of showing Buck and his staff who to play, what pitchers to bring in, and what situations. What do you think of all that? Buck Schultz is a veteran manager. You got to let the guy manage. No, exactly. And his track record speaks for himself. Again, you know, he has been doing this for a while now, and and they and the Mets gave him a chance to come out of retirement and, and manage and manage our team for the next three seasons. And again, when you got a guy like Buck Showalter, it's not like we're you know we're we're working with a first year manager here, like, like, for example, like a Louis Rojas. And again, all, all, again, I give Louis Rojas credit because again, he was a baseball mind in my eyes. Yep, he was agreed. a guy who could manage a big league club, yep. um, whether it be the Mets or not, but you know, a guy like Buck Showalter, you just got to let him, you know, deal the cards and, and be that head honcho that he's always been throughout his managerial career. You know, again, he's, he's shown that he could take teams from, down in the dumps to all the way to the promised land slash playoffs. So again, and he said it in his press conference too. What what would be a successful season? I think one of the reporters asked and he was like, well, we come here every day trying to make the playoffs. So, you know, yeah. that was a great answer. And I think, and I think he handled some of the questions today really well. But um, again, I just, again, to re, re to backtrack a little bit, I just think all the blames on Billy Elbow to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I agree on that. The construction of the roster has been, um, Pretty questionable, you know, from, uh, you know, man one through 26 and down into Syracuse. Um, you know, even we were just discussing, you know, the the Brewers pick up Julio Tehran and they just scoop him up. He had a showcase. They scoop him up in, you know, on a minor league deal. The guy's got an ERA under two. Meanwhile, we're signing guys like Dylan fucking Bundy. Yeah, and I, and I do believe that the Mets sent the scout to Julio Tehran's uh, 
showcase bullpen, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. again, I mean, I would uh, honestly, again, we're we're gonna get into it. I heard they called up T.J. McFarland, but you know, a guy like Zach Britton's still out there, who's have had a track record with not only Buck Showalter, but you know, is was at one point one of the best closers in the league. There's just so many, there's just so many, whether it's pitchers or right-handed bats or just position players or, or, you know, just players in general, you know, that really the Mets could have um, picked up as insurance pieces and depth pieces. And and we've noted that on Instagram. We've noted that on the pod here and on Twitter. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty eye-opening and you're seeing all the flaws play out right now. And it definitely is Billy Epler. Um, you know, I know Buck Walter did get a vote of confidence from Billy Epler um, today Rightfully so. I, I again, listen. I may disagree with. You know, I, I, I'm not kidding. There have been games recently where I have disagreed with like 40, 40 to sixty percent of Buck Show's in-game uh, management maneuvering. Right, but he has dealt that lineup. He is wh- whether he's actually putting it together or not. He's dealt those players. Right. Um, and those players are not performing. So to me, it's the person who gives the players to him, Billy Epler, and it's the players who are not performing. With that being said, takeaways from Billy Epler's press conference. You mentioned the starting pitching and Epler identifying that as the biggest um, you know, issue that he has seen thus far. I'm an analytician. That's what I went to try to go do um, huh. within working within Major League Baseball. And I understand um, the impact that analytics have with that said. I think that the Mets have beefed up their analytic department so much that it kind of and it dictates not only the way that Buck Walter manages, but the way that the Mets operationally uh, maneuver players, you know, between Queens and Syracuse and whatnot. Um, and. I just found it interesting that uh, Epler said that, um, you know, they're they're working with the analytics department on pitch design and trying to get the pitchers in their right spot. Um, in the front of the front office sees issues with repeated execution of pitches and, quote, getting the ball to behave like they want it to behave. How like no shit. No shit. But like there wasn't, you know, it wasn't so long ago that, you know, teams weren't using analytics to work on pitch design. And and it wasn't so long ago that teams were evaluating every single move based off analytics. I don't know what Jeremy Hefner and I know Hefner was very like deeply involved in that in Minnesota. Um, but to me, I I worry about that. And it's not necessarily so so much Jeremy Hefner. Obviously, the players aren't performing, but. I just don't want analytics within every facet of this team. And that's coming from an analytical person. You can derive a lot of information and you can derive a lot of, um, you know, ideas and, and, and lineup constructions and in-game maneuverings through analytics, but it cannot be your sole, sole identity as an organization because you're going to get exposed. Yeah, no. And, and again, I, I bring up, I'm going to bring this up that last night, Keith Hernandez, they were talking about uh, Exit Velo and Brett Beatty. And he, he, I loved what he said. He was just like, Hey, just see the ball and hit it. Like at some points you just got to throw the analytical BS out the window and just play the game of baseball. You know, I was talking about this with my friend Jake and saying we were making fun of the analytical nerds, no offense Ian, but, 
But again, like sometimes you, again, like I said, you just got to go out and just fucking play, man. And excuse my language. Cause sometimes it does really just piss me off. It's like, dude, you're one and two in the count, whatever count it is. It doesn't matter. Just throw a damn strike, bro. Like, yep. especially when it's bases loaded or when, when you need to get a big strikeout, when you need to get a big out, just play the game. Okay. I, I to, and to be honest, like if your best pitch is a slider, then why aren't we rocking with it every other pitch? Or yeah. why aren't we rocking with it to, to put away somebody on two, with two strikes or to make a big pitch? Why aren't we rocking with our best pitch? I just feel like a guy like, okay, for instance, right? Guy like Jeff Brigham. What was he known for analytically? Sweeper. Slider, sweeper, whatever the hell you want to call it. Okay? That's a sweeper. That's whatever, a sweeper. Whatever. But he, and Philly on Sunday, what when he hit those two guys with the pit with with uh with uh with the pitches uh with two strikes, it was yeah. a freaking curveball. Yeah. And again, I didn't even know he had a curveball. Why yeah. isn't he going with his best pitch? Granted, he might have not had a good grip on it. Whatever the excuse may be, I do not care. You go with your best stuff. You 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 were see they the two, ball. Were they two the strike ball. counts? Yeah, they were yeah, two right? two yeah. both times. Yeah. And he goes yep. with the curveball and he and he and he and he and he doesn't have a good grip on it and it slips out of his hand and it hits Trey Turner. And then the other one was two inside, a curve ran into Schwarber's back knee. It's like, come on now. We just gotta go with what works best. And again, I hate to bring this up, but a guy like Diaz last year, right? He was so when he first got to New York, he was so fastball, fastball, fastball that they were like, Hey, your best pitch is a slider. That should be your primary first pitch. And look at that. Look at what happened. He had one of the best seasons in MLB, in MLB history as a closer. Yeah, which led to a five-year deal, hundred plus million dollars, and again, I, not everyone's going to get that contract. Not everyone's going to be an Edwin Diaz, but at the end of the day, we just got to play fucking baseball, man. And and that's and that's I the agree. thing too. Like that's the thing too. Maybe maybe that's why Lindor is hitting two twenty. Granted, he his his wife was pregnant. Pete Alonso, maybe that's why he's hitting two twenty. Granted, he's coming off an IL injury, especially a wrist injury where you're using your wrist to hit. Guys like Marte, okay, you you start the year on um coming off a of core surgery. Yeah, but. Again, why do you bat second right away? Because analytics said that's where he succeeded best last year. Yep. So you, you see my point here? And, and maybe 100%. that's why, and, and, and again, analytically, maybe that's why Brett Beatty and Alvarez didn't start the year in, in, in the big league club. Granted, they're 20 some, 21, 22, 23 years old. But again, at the end of the day, you want to put your best product out there and your best players out there. And Absolutely. just play the freaking game, man. No, no, I, 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 def, I definitely do agree. And I think that's something that even I just tweeted out a little while ago and it's on my screen here. So I'm going to, I'm going to, again, this isn't pitching, but Jeff McNeil, for instance, right? There are times that you can look at a player, right? And you don't need analytics to tell you that he's stinking it up, right? Yeah. And you go and you look at his stat cast figures and his average exit below is within the 14th percentile. That's miserable. Not That's bad. miserable. His expecting slugging percentage, 11th percentile, right? But his expecting batting average is within the 58th percentile. So you're telling me, and it's hard to hit percentage in the 19th percentile. So you're telling me that 3% percentiles, major, major statistics below the 20th percentile within the MLB what what does that equate to when your expected batting average is is in the within the 58th percentile which is above which is a little bit above league average but obviously he's not hitting above league average right now so there's definitely flaws within the analytic system but there's definitely ways of evaluating players as well you know um and to me i think that a lot of the analytics give you a lot a, a really good base um right so if you see a pitcher with good spin on a pitch right you know that you want to amplify that and you know you want to work on that pitch because like you said, a slider is your bread and butter, right? 
So I think that there's just times that it should be much more useful. But then there's times like right now, right, where you brought up the fact of, um, you know, and they're just putting together shit at bats. But, you know, you were, you know, you were talking about the fact of Edwin Diaz's first year, he's throwing fastball, 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 getting lit up. And then they say, hey, your best pitch is a slider. The crazy thing is about the 2023 Mets is it really is true. When it rains, it pours. Adam Adovino is known for his slider. He's gotten, he's getting hit the hardest on the slider, right? David Peterson, another guy, slider is, has always been his out pitch. He's getting hit hard on a slider this year. So where, where do you draw lines? What type of pitch design? Like every, every pitcher just has to have a different, a different game plan. And it can't just be due to analytics or, you know, your track record of what you've done in the past or how good a certain pitch has performed in the past, because Mm -hmm. it's not working right now and it's costing us games. That's a great point. And then again, a guy like Adam Montavino, who's really polished his changeup, like our boys have said in the past. And he's and, and he doesn't really go to it, you know. That was that that was quote unquote when the Mets signed him. That was his his worst pitch, you know. And and again, it's just when something's not working, you got to try something different. And if it is working, then you don't fix it, you know. And and again, I think I think Peterson, it's more of a mechanical issue. But without Avino, I think maybe again, it, it, it's just like a location issue. And and again, you know, obviously teams are starting to catch up on his primary pitch, which is a slider. And when he leaves it over the plate, and they're looking for it, you know, it's going to go over the fence. So. Again, I think at that point you just mix it up, and I think that's where Billy Epler and Jeremy Hefner are gonna fine tune things, or, or you know what, whatever they said in those quotes. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna be honest with you, Ian. I'm glad that they didn't fire Hefner because I really think one day he'll be a major league manager as well. And I, and I think he's come a long way in terms of just being that pitching coach, that pitching guru. So again, I think I think it's good to work things out instead of just hitting mayday, mayday, and and firing someone for no reason, you know. No, well, I, not for no reason, but for you know, out of out of like panic, you know. I agree. I I I agree. Um, and that's why to me it always comes back to if you're firing somebody, it's the guy that's constructing the roster, or it's the guy that's making some of the boneheaded decisions, right? And to me, I say you give Buck Walter, you know, the rest of the year and then potentially next year. And if that occurs, Billy Epler's got to be the one to go. Um, something that I tweeted out earlier today and something that we're going to touch upon right now is Epler mentioned within his press conference that the Mets are going to approach this year's trade deadline, which somehow, somehow is just a little over a month away Um it's really hard to believe, but um, the Mets are going to have a similar approach to last year in terms of not willing. They're not willing to deal their top prospects unless a player is uh, under team control long term. I agree with that sentiment um, because, quite frankly, you saw what a Javi Baez trade did. We lost yes. Pete Crow Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Um, With that said, he also mentioned that if the club can change the story, then the deadline, at the deadline, they'll look to add. However, if they continue down this road, they'll have to create other opportunities elsewhere. I agree with that. I'm just so fucking pissed that it's gotten to this point. This is going to be the cursing episode. I've really tried to tone down my vernacular, right? <laughs> but, but oh, Tommy Pham. No. No? Okay. It's raining, by the way, in City Field, so. Is it raining? Yeah, it that's pretty fitting. Um, <laughs> yeah, but when it comes to the deadline, how did we get here? 
How did we get here? I mean, again, it's just the opposite of last year. We're not winning series. We're not doing well on the road. Um, again, you know, the six and sixteen June doesn't help, obviously. And and you know, when your pitcher can't when your pitching staff can't go more than five innings every other start or or every four out of five days and throughout Monday through Friday, like obviously it's not a recipe to for of success or for success. Um another thing another thing I wanted to mention about just the Met, how the Mets are playing in general, besides the pitching offensively, right? Where are the hidden runs? Where are the bunts? Where are the bunting runs? Where are the fake bunt and getting the pickle so we could try to manufacture a run? Where is the Buckshaw Walter play? And this is where it brings my point back to just playing baseball, right? Analytics say third and first, nobody out. This guy shouldn't steal because he's most likely to get thrown out. Nah, fuck that shit, bro. You fucking send them every time and you fucking hit and run. Or, or guys on second and first, you bunt them over with nobody out. Like, again, I know you're giving the team the other out, but again, it forces the other team's hand, correct? Say, yep. okay, for instance, you yep. got third and second, nobody out, or one out, excuse me, and we got a hot hitter up. Guess what? You're going to get intentionally walked. Base is loaded now. You're putting more pressure on the other team. Granted, we ground out to a Double play, the inning's over, but it doesn't matter. You're still putting them in that spot to fail the other team, I'm saying, correct? And yeah. even if you just hit it in the outfield, it's a run, guys. Like, like, there's no more manufacturing anymore in terms of runs. There's no more making pitchers work. Just like in that first inning, man. The first inning every time, if the pitcher wasn't at 25, 30 pitches, you knew the Mets were in trouble. But if, if they were, then the other team's in trouble, and the Mets are going to win the game. And, and the fact that the stat that boggles my mind is that we score six runs and we have the most losses in the MLB. Like that's yep. that's absurd, man. It's really bad. Yeah, and I can't that remember happened. that. I can't. I can't remember the last it's, time I met staff. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's five runs. It's five plus runs. We have a negative record. Six plus runs. We're we're so many games under five hundred. Seven plus runs. We have an even worse record. It's like, that's like that's like it's like I hate to say the word, but it's like it's embarrassing. It's like a Mets stat. That's like, it is embarrassing. It's just like a bad Mets stat. Like it's like the last like like remember twenty fifteen? They were like this is the worst offense since nineteen sixty two. Yeah. And they yeah. freaking made the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. Like, imagine that. Yeah, my – yeah, my – the thing that scares me, though, is how many teams are in front of the Mets. I know, it's, man. And, again, like I said last episode, it's just these three series were, are so important right now, and, and they already dropped one to the Phillies. It's And that's a team we usually own the last couple of years. And and we should have won two or three. And we should have won two or three, exactly. So Should have won and two. Then, and then, again, you know, the Mets are favored yesterday in the betting world, and we got our best pitcher, our $40 million man, and he throws five innings, and we lose two to one. Like and and, and that's and, and hey, yo, welcome back, Drew Smith. Thanks. That was like, something that I, that was something that I wanted to say earlier when you said when you said like you know the pitching the pitching design and 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 the way that the pitchers are going about it. Drew Smith had the count in his favor last night, and he throws it right over the cock. A fastball. A fastball right over the dish. One two right over the dish. Two outs. Yep. Dead so central. So what? Guy go, goes from first to second. Yeah. Oh my god, bro. I think that I've been numb. Because I have felt as if just I'm almost looking at the deadline already, thinking that the Mets are sellers, and I hate to be that way. I hate to say that. But right now, quite frankly, you just said you're $40 million man. Sure, Berlander's gone out and thrown 10 starts and thrown 57 innings, but he's got 49 strikeouts, right? He's not inducing those swing and misses. His his uh, his FIP is at 421. He's posted a .7 war. Listen, he's got the Christmas. He got he's got the Christmas on his pitches still. But he even said last night the height of his of his release point is too high, so he's got some fine tuning to do still. The only two pitchers that I trust right now are Max Scherzer and Kodai Senga, 
and Max Scherzer has had his, you know, issues, and Kanga still walks three to four to five batters a game. Yeah. And you he has know? to pitch every six days. And he has to pitch every six days. And, yeah. and that's why I think it all just comes back to Billy Epler should have been better prepared. I said it during the, during the hot stove season. I said it in a reel the other day, and we don't have to go down this road. And there's nothing against Justin Verlander. He's one of my favorite pitchers that I've ever seen pitch. He's one of the best pitchers of all time, and he definitely still has it. Yeah. Definitely still has it, okay? With that being said, the Mets had way too many holes to out another $43 million to one pitcher, especially somebody that's 40 years old, okay? And for Billy Epler then to come in here and say that they tried to attack the 2023 season with the same team as 2022, but with just different supplemental pieces like a Verlander for DeGrom, that's not what it should have been. Quintana should have never been signed. Quintana hasn't been good since 2018 outside of last season. Right. So you would go ahead and you put faith in Jose Quintana to take over Taiwan Walker, who made an all-star game appearance in one out of his two in years his tenure, with the Mets. In his tenure, yeah, yeah. In his tenure. And he also made 27, 28, 29, 30 starts. I don't know the exact number, but, both, the, but both seasons. He was very durable. Right. He, he had were, a good career with the Mets. I'm sorry. Like he to did. cut you off. He did. I thought and he had a good career. He definitely did. For and two it was, years. And listen, it was clutch. It was durable, right? And then you bring in Quintana, who not only hasn't been good, but hasn't really been able to be healthy since 18. Again, outside of last year, he did he pitched well. But that's not a good replacement. And then you go ahead and a workhorse in Chris Bassett, you replace with Kodai Sanga, who we're not complaining about Sanga. I love Sanga, and I think that he's only going to continue to get better as he adjusts to American baseball. But as you said, he's got to pitch on every six days, and that's apparent. So there, so, so there. then. So yeah. then all of a sudden, so then all of a sudden, you're out Bassett, you're out Taiwan Walker, you know, that's 60 starts a season, 58 starts a season, let's say, right? And you got Kodai Sanga and Jose Quintana, and we're going to be lucky if we get 35 starts combined from them. And that's, and that's if Quintana comes back. The Mets could have easily put $20 million towards Chris Bassett. That's what he got from the Blue Jays. They could have gone ahead and they could have signed a J.D. Martinez or a Justin Turner to a $10 million deal one year with an option or something. You would have been at $30 million and then they could have gone ahead and they could have added another reliever, or, you know, whether it be Andrew Chafin, whether it be whoever. They also could have gotten another bat elsewhere or another arm or it, it, there's just so many other things they could, they could have filled within that $40 million yeah, and they just nah, tried dude, to replicate. Dude, not for nothing, bro. Not for nothing. I, we're, you know, I'm, I miss Trevor Williams and Seth Lugo. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and the thing like, is, and the thing is we have not, I think I said this to you last episode, but I want Tyler McGill to get that to get that opportunity to be that guy, even a guy like David Peterson. But there's no way in hell can right now because the rotation is so flimsy. Everyone gets hurt or is trash. Um, and it, and it, and it's it just, just doesn't, yeah. And it's, and it's depleted. So you need McGill and Peterson in the rotation and no, then you and don't have that opportunity to have that long man. And then you're throwing out guys like Vinny Natale and you're throwing out Dominic Leone. You're throwing out this guy and that guy. You know, I'm not, I was about to say Grant Hartwick, but he's been great, but you no, know, I like Grant Hartwick. so yeah. do I, but, and then you throw out Josh Walker, right. And Josh Walker blew up the other night and he also had a bad game at city field. It's just, Oh, Vogelbach. Nope. 
It just <laughs> seems like, yeah, that's central, yeah. No, but it, dude, and, and essentially too, like if we knew that Sengo would have to start every six six days, then Trevor Williams would have been a perfect fit because again, he wanted it to compete for the rotation. He proved it last year, whether it was in a spot start or long relief role. And, you know, again, he pumps strikes. Granted, you know, players tend to play better when they're one year away from free agency so they can get the most that they can, whether it's money or years or, or guarantee. And, and again, a guy like Trevor Williams who embraced New York, who was honestly the best, honestly, the, the better part of the Javi Baez trade. If you really think about it, I mean, he stuck with the Mets Um, again, you know, Javi Baez, I know, I only, I understand he only had half a year left in that year on this contract, but, but, you know, Trevor Williams, even, uh, you know, again, a spot starter, um, gave us a lot of innings, du- durable innings. And, and, you know, he picked up a lot of like the BS, you know, in turn, when I say BS in terms of like, we're losing eight, nothing or, or six, two, and then he comes in, throws three innings and gives the Mets a shot to still come back, you know, exactly. And even a guy like Seth Lugo, right. Who quote unquote, couldn't pitch multiple days, um, out of the bullpen, this, that, and the third, I don't care if he can't pitch multiple days. Cause guess what? He could pitch three innings in in a day. He could pitch two innings. He could close. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, now it's all backwards. Now it's all here. backwards. And, and and again, no no offense, Billy, but not everybody from 2022 is here, and and it shows, and it shows, yeah. and and those two guys stand out to me, Seth Lugo and Trevor Williams. Yeah, and not only that, he cannot expect every single player to produce the same exact way that they did in 2022. Mm-hmm. And so, as lines out softly to the Julio Tehran, we are getting no hit. Actually, excuse me, he is perfect through three. That exists. And um, yo, I don't, even, I, I don't even want you to bring up Eduardo Escobar getting traded because now that Vogelbach's not even hitting again anymore, and gives and and Beatty struggling. Yeah, the I'll field. do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Really, <laughs> really quickly. Eduardo Escobar was <laughs> traded to the Angels for, um, I don't have their names in front of me. Uh, one <laughs> Two relief pitchers, minor league relief pitchers. Marcinic, like last name Marcinic, and last and Crow. name Crow. Yeah. They go to 11 and 18, respectively, on the Mets' top 30 prospects per MLB.com. Um, the Mets ate a little bit of Eduardo's money in order to facilitate that trade to get the arms. As far as the return goes, it was a good return for somebody that uh, whose deal is expiring and has become a platoon player. However, why the fuck wasn't he getting the left-handed rips at DH? Um against right-handed pitching when Vogelbach has just sucked Um, because Eduardo Escobar started putting together better at bats. And then you see the, we've seen the glaring holes in Brett Beatty's defense recently. And it would be really, really, really nice to put Eduardo Escobar over at third base and maybe have DDH a little bit. Yeah. And now Eduardo Escobar is gone and, and we're strictly, you know, we, we don't, you know, we we have like a very right-handed heavy bench, and yeah, it, it, yeah, and I don't and I don't know what the analytic department is saying about this, but you know, again, I said it on Sunday as well. Seeing Marte look like a buffoon out there in right field, yep, get that guy a day off, put him at DH, put McNeil out there. I've always liked McNeil better in the outfield, and you know, again, I mean, whether it's Danny Mendick or or Luis Guillermo, I don't really care. Just have it have a glove whiz up the middle. Hopefully he gives you some some great abs in the bottom of the lineup, whether it's Guillaume or or Danny M. But again, I just I, I just don't understand the thought process in terms of you know giving guys like mental breaks. Yep. Um, you know, again, Vogelbach got a week off and he hit two home runs, which is great and all. But again, guys like McNeil and Marte and and whoever's messing up in the field like Beatty, like 
you know, a de- just just having them worry about getting on base and and grounding out a base sometimes is beneficial as well. So I just don't understand why they don't think about that either. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. So Rob, at thirty five and forty three currently, the Mets have eighty four games remaining on the schedule. Given what you've seen from them on the field, off the field, and what you've heard, if you were the general manager, how and if the trade deadline was today again, eight games under five hundred. X amount of games back of the East and the wild card. Would you stand still? Would you sell off some pieces like a fam, like a Robertson, this guy, that guy, or would you um, try to do what the Phillies did last year and buy? I mean, listen, um, I think by the trade deadline or by a week before the trade deadline. No, 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 no. I said what? today was the deadline. Oh, oh, oh my bad. I said my today bad. Was right now deadline. with the record that we have. And the, no, no, no. The record that we have, but we still have 84 games remaining. And what you are seeing on television every day, do you have the confidence that uh, no. you would be able to go ahead and uh, buy? Probably not. Okay. No. Would you sell or would you still? I, I would sell. You would sell. Who would you trade? Uh, I mean, I hate to say it. I would see what Mark Connor could bring to the table. I would see what a guy like Tommy Pham. Um, I hate to say it. Out of Vino. David Robertson. Um, yeah, but listen, I would tell Robertson, hey, listen, we're going to trade you. And if we do, um, we have every intention of signing you back next year if you're willing to if you're if you're willing to come back for one more year, because um, a guy like him, I think with especially with Diaz coming back, we got to we got to see that one two punch. But um, that's just me. But I mean, I would even look into seeing what we could get from Marte um, and then obviously I, Vogelbach. And I don't think we can get anything from Marte. Honestly, Nervias, too, but. Nervaez, Nervaez potentially because of the, the option next year. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest pieces for me, I think, that the Mets could sell off are fam, is David Robertson, Adam Adovino, and a Mark Canna. Um, those are the guys. Omar Nervaez also makes sense. Um, and I don't want to piss off our, our uh, listeners when I say what I'm about to say next. Okay. The Mets want sustainable success over the long haul. They also spend a shit ton of money. What if the Mets continue losing and a team like the Angels or the I'm really blue I'm just trying to think of somebody or the Rays, okay? The Rays the Rays call you and say, we're willing to give you this player that's performing at this level at the majors right now, as well as this player, along with our two top prospects, two or three prospects for Pete Alonzo. Yep. I'm, I'm being, I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead. I'm being you, dead you serious. Used to say shit like that when we had Matt Harvey and the ground. No, no, no. Because listen, we still have quite a club beyond that. And he's going to command a $250 million deal. And if we could, I, again, I'm this isn't what I'm saying, but I think that it's something that if the Mets continue to lose, a lot of teams are going to be calling Billy Epler and trying to get the availability on Pete Alonzo. And I think that that the gauging of what teams are, you know, whether they're willing to listen or not, I think that shows how far maybe they may have come or may have not come to, um, you know, a contract, you know, framework or whatnot. Um, but it's definitely, it's something to think of. I don't know if you completely disagree with me. 
Uh, I mean, I would I would disagree with you in a sense because again, like I like our core where it's at. If you include Alonzo in that core, um, Lindor, Alonzo, Nimmo, McNeil. Okay, I got another one. Alvarez, Beatty. But I would honestly look into trading McNeil. That's just okay. Me. I wouldn't do that. Okay, I, um, I, <laughs> I, I got one other person for you. Max Scherzer. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. Okay. Because again, I'm not trying to pay him another forty million or whatever it is, thirty nine million. Forty three million dollars. Forty forty three million dollars last yeah. year. And again, uh, next year, and again, and he's got a player option. So he's gonna opt in unless he has a second half for the ages, right? Yeah. But he's been he's been like a B pitcher this year, right? He's been a secondary ace. He's seven yeah. and two. He's got a three ninety five ERA, right? But his FIP is at four thirteen. He's been worth one point one more, but his expected FIP is three ninety seven. Mm-hmm. So his numbers are getting there. And again, he's seven and two. The team wins when he pitches. Um, I think a team like the Dodgers, again, <laughs> I, I the Dodgers would be a fit, right? Um, even a team, even a team like the Angels, teams that can absorb a contract, because the Angels are not going to re-sign Shohei Otani, and they know that. So they can easily go ahead and they can sure, and they can got him. David Peterson, four shutout innings. Okay. Wow, so good what we like to see but that was a six slider but go ahead continue it was a it was a six slider but i'm but i'm just saying maybe okay maybe not a pete alonzo because that would disrupt our core completely moving forward i just really hope obviously they resign him because if they don't resign him and they let him walk for nothing after 2024 i'll be pissed but i just scherzer is definitely somebody that i would consider trading if we are and i love max scherzer he's become one of my favorite met oh, pitchers yeah, yeah, ever that's right i got you you know but but I think that the Mets could really get a haul for him, especially since he has that playoff experience that a lot of teams are looking for. Yeah, definitely. And then again, you know, you never know. Maybe they could package like him and like a Tommy Family, like him and like another bat that we don't want anymore, like a Marcon or whatever, get more players back. But exactly. I can see that happening. Exactly. Yeah, no, they could definitely they could definitely get a nice package back and bolster up. Um, not only what they have, they could def they could definitely get a package that could bolster their team right now on the field. Yeah um young pieces and then they could also bolster their their farm system as well so on this segment of what the buck now i'm explaining yeah we were in philly this weekend ian and uh i just want you to tell slash a little summary or reiterate a little summary of uh of our experience there sunday we drove we drove at 9 20 to get to first pitch at one o'clock 135 one or 135 but we got there at one o'clock and it was smooth sailing till the game (laughs) <laughs> and until after the game, but I'm gonna let you finish. So go ahead, Ian. Okay, so this is me. All right, yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, when you go to City Field and there are opposing fan bases, obviously <laughs> the Yankees fans, we do the same thing when we go to Yankee Stadium, right? So I don't count them. If there's a team that has the most obnoxious fan base in the world, it's those of Philadelphia sports, whether it be the Phillies, whether it be the Eagles, whether it be the Flyers. Okay. Um, whether it be the Sixers, they are brutal fans. Okay. I was wearing a Francisco Lindor jersey along with a bunch of other Met fans that were there. I probably got told to fuck off um, about 15 times. Um, they kept on saying that Trey Turner was better. Uh, Turner is having an awful season. Um, at the end of it, at the end of the game, it started pouring rain. Obviously, we know how it played out. The the Phillies came back, scored four runs off of off of Brigham and Co. And you know the Mets fucking lost the game. 
But as we're leaving, you know, people are taunting us and, you know, we're taking it, whatever. And some, some Philly fans are, you know, nicer than others, but then oh. I'm running, then we're running out and there it goes deep Brandon to right Nimmo. field and Brandon Nimmo. Nice. Home run number him. nine on the season. And there's Frank Fleming. <laughs> and there's Frank the Tank. And the they showed Mets him before, too. That's funny. One to nothing. Oh, there's fireworks. Some smoke percolating from the apple. Wow. How was that home run call? Was that all right? Uh, it was all right, yeah. We're going to do a live broadcast soon of a game. Yeah, we should, honestly. That was a we, bomb. He's been hitting a lot of bombs lately. Nimmo. Yeah, that's not 22. And I'm pretty sure that's his third uh, highest career total. In a season, nice. none. Um, but yeah, no, the story that I wanted to say was basically it was downpouring. Rob and I stopped underneath an awning and these two people walked past and this guy looked right at my face and said, wait, what did he say? He said something about taking the bus back to New York. He's like, y'all waiting for the bus to New York? Y'all waiting for the bus back to New York? And we were like, and I said, nah, man. And he said, yeah, get the fuck out of here. So I said, fuck you. And he said, nah, fuck you. The Mets fucking <laughs> suck. How many championships do you guys have? And I said, two, yo, but you guys have been around since the 1800s. Right? And then immediately preceding that interaction, those two people walked away. Rob and I make a quick dash towards the parking garage and there's this drunk asshole who's probably about 18 years old with his girlfriend standing underneath a tree. The kid can barely stand up straight. He's got a flyer shirt on and he just looks at me as we're running and he says, fuck you. And I look over at him and I was like, all right, fuck you too. Whatever. Again, this is within, <laughs> within a span of two minutes. And mind right? you, I mind you, Ian just got shoulder surgery. He's talking shit with one, one arm basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I got, <laughs> and I got a sling and I'm looking over my shoulder and then all the kid sudden the kids the kid looks at me, takes out his takes out his balls, <laughs> literally takes out his takes out his takes out his dick, okay, and says, "Suck on my balls," <laughs> screaming it, "Suck on my balls," and he's and he and he has them out out in public. There's kids, there's families, and I look back at these two Philly fans that are in back, and I'm running along with Rob, and I look back at them, and I'm like. What's wrong with all you guys? I'm like, what's wrong with all you guys? And Lindor! Francisco Lindor, number sixteen. We need to record when they're when when they're playing. That was a bomb. <laughs> Two nothing Mets. No, it's good to see that. I mean, again, we I would have hoped for a couple base runners, but I'll take two home runs in in an inning. Absolutely. But yeah, no Philly fans. Oh, he's talking to shit. He's talking shit. Is he was he? just screaming in the crowd, yeah. Good. Good. He's firing them up. Good. Good. 413 off the bat, Ian. Oh, that's his 200th career oh, home Oh, nice. Run. 200 career home runs. Hey, Ryan Mayer, shout out to you. Shout out to you, Ryan Mayer. Yeah, Ryan Mayer. That's my Ryan. all-star game starting shortstop, motherfucker. <laughs> Yo, RC has got nothing. Also, Met fans, fucking vote for Francisco Lindor. He's currently wow. down 69 to 31% in the second... The second uh, voting phase. Orlando Arcia. Wow. Stop it, guys. Come on. Vote, 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 vote for Francisco Lindor. Right now, that may be one of the only positive things that the Mets have going for them. He's on pace for like 30. He's on pace for 30, 30 doubles, 100 ribbies. That's quite a season right there. Yeah, he's talking shit. Look at that. 
So, Rob, as we wrap up here, episode 12, season two of the Cup of Mets podcast, just a few quick notes that entering tonight, again, we were going to record earlier. Rob had a little medical incident, <laughs> um, but he's good. He's got some severe muscle bruising. It's actually wild. Um, so we're both kind of messed up right now, him with the muscles, <laughs> me with the shoulder. Um, but some quick notes that were supposed to be ahead of this game. Uh, Josh Walker was optioned, and T. Farland, the left-hander, was called up. Uh, he pitched in 22 games last year. And Vinny Natali was optioned as well. He was the uh, pitcher that we claimed last week and pitched for Team Italy. And David Peterson obviously was called up for tonight. Tonight's matchup, obviously, we've been calling it Julio Tehran and David Peterson. Uh, tomorrow night, it'll be um, Kodai Sanga versus Wade Miley. And on Thursday, it'll be Max Scherzer versus Adrian Hauser. And then the Mets welcome in the 44 and 34 San Francisco Giants. So the road gets no easier for the Mets. But hopefully tonight springboards them as Jeff McNeil finally gets his first hit of June. Rob. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. Rob. No, but that's the Jeff McNeil we want to see, you know, hitting all fields, whether it's just like a blooper or a hard line drive, you know, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Any no, last thoughts you were going to ask me? No, no, but that's, but that, but that's it. And I think that's where we can wrap it up. Billy Epler constructed a roster that, that had holes that he needed to fill, but a guy like Jeff McNeil, a guy like Starling Marte, we need them to start hitting, join the party of Lindor and Alonzo, even though they're not hitting for a ton of average. And and let, yeah. And let's get this thing going. Let's get this thing going, okay? Let's yeah, exactly. not game by game, you know. And I hope I hope Billy Upler's press conference and Steve Cohen's tomorrow just gets these guys going, wakes them up a little bit as Tehran just balked and sends McNeil the second. There we go. But again, there. you know, just just you gotta believe, like we always say. And you know, LFGM year twenty twenty three has been good to me so far. So hopefully uh, they turn it around and make it even better. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And before I pop off, remember to give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're at Cup of Mets. Also, be sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Again, for Rob Venegas, I'm Ian Bosniak. Thanks again for joining us here, episode 12. We'll be back next week with episode 13. And again, everybody stay calm and LFGM. Let's go, Mets. Take care, guys. Good night.